You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Getting you ready for a big sports weekend with the U.S. men's national team, USA and the Netherlands at the World Cup, the knockout round tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. Conference championship weekend will be upon us tonight. USC, Utah will give thoughts on that this hour and the other kickoffs, which will happen tomorrow, and then what's going to be a fun NFL slate. All that and more over the the final hour of Outkick 360. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody Air location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, uh, Deion Sanders, it's a $5 million per year annual offer from Colorado to take the job. That's being reported now. Uh, through CBS Sports. and Isn't it interesting that all the reports around this are just about Colorado wanting him and not his interest in the job or taking the job? Well, it's, yes. but the, This came out a week ago that Colorado had offered him. Now we're getting details on the amount of money, but we haven't heard anyone say, Deion Sanders likely to take the Colorado job or anything about uh, all of that, right? He talked with USF also. I know that's been reported. Yes, but, but I don't know if it, an offer was made. Yeah, and a sticking point, though, with Deion Sanders, I think he walked away from it because I've, I've read a, a report that he wanted say over the building of the new football complex, okay. and they weren't willing to give him that, that he wanted to dictate how that was going to be drawn up and, and how it was going to be done. Well, I mean, this is just where, I mean, I guess Colorado's just in a position where it's like, hey, we want you, we're going to wait. We're going to continue to try to negotiate the you know different incentives that would bump up some salary here. And Chad, it's also I mean, it's not like people are beating down the door to become the next head coach of Colorado. That's 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 part of the issue here. Is how much money would you have to offer to get the guy you actually want to go coach there? Well, it's also a uh, you know it's not a bad move for Colorado if they're in fact the side leaking this story. Oh, to get it, it out it's there, a, it's a CBS affiliate out of Colorado, right? It? Because they're saying, like, look, we're we're trying to play ball here. You know, we're in the business of making this football program good. We're offering a lot of money to Deion Sanders. They're swinging for the fences. I like the move. I hate the move with Georgia Tech not going after him, but I love that Colorado's trying to make a splash. They're at least making the attempt. And you know, they're playing in the the SWAC uh, championship game, so they're they're also trying to stay stay the course to keep the focus there on the game. Yep. You know, before Dion takes a job. Uh, but he has confirmed he was offered. Yeah, it's just that I just, the reporting on is interesting because it's all about the offer and now the money in the offer. Nothing about Dion Sanders' interest one way or the other. Former U.S. men's national team member and, of course, uh, soccer Hall of Fame member for the United States. Paul Calagiri joins us on Outkick 360. World Cup action tomorrow. Knockout round as the United States takes on the Netherlands. Paul, thank you for the time. Hope you're well. All right, we will get back with him in a moment. Um, well, should we try him again? Or... All right, maybe not. Paul, can you hear us? 
I can. Can you hear oh, me? All right. There we yeah, go. There he is. Yes. Yep. Um, all right, guys. How are things, man? Everything's great. I mean, I'm excited about the World Cup <laughs> and definitely about Team USA. Hey, so the, the confidence level from your expertise here going into the World Cup versus what you've seen now to get to the knockout round and the matchup against the Netherlands, where are you now compared to where we were about, you know, a week, 10 days ago? Well, it's a, a fair question to ask. I was always confident about this team. Very talented group of players. And I'm confident about uh, Coach Greg Bearhalter and his knowledge of the game and how he's bringing this team together. So I'd, I'd say that, you know, it was a little unpredictable of how the results would go. But now that we're at this stage, I'm pretty accurate on the same confidence I was when we started the tournament. So when you score the goal to get Team USA into their first World Cup in 40 years – in 19 to that 1990 World Cup, seeing where U.S. soccer was then from a development standpoint, uh, just nationally the sport, and now seeing where it is now, what 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 are your thoughts about the gap between those? You know, the gap between 1950 to 1990 and that team you were on to get there, and now the other gap, 1990 to 2022, what soccer in America looks like now as opposed to then. Well, it's amazing. I mean, first we start off with a very strong domestic league with Major League Soccer. We've played in, you know, eight World Cups. The women have won World Cups. And uh, certainly uh, we're at a different stage now where we're looking at this team not only to compete, but also to uh, get some victories. And I think that, you know, a lot of Americans are very confident with uh, Team USA going against Netherlands, where perhaps uh, 30 years ago we weren't in that same mindset. So this is the youngest uh, team, the, the Americans, youngest team in the World Cup. Can that be a benefit for this group? Uh, in, in, I, I don't think they're playing with pressure on them in, in this match per se, but a group that you know, may not even know much better that's going out there in, in, a, in a match like this. Could this be a benefit for the Americans? Well, we do see a lot of young players in the World Cup. Obviously, Spain, they fielded three different guys at one stage, 18 years old. And it seems like that's the common thread now, but uh, certainly these guys are young, but they're mature, they're experienced. And most importantly, they've played together for a while in different uh, opportunities with the national team. So I think it's the chemistry that really works. And, um, you know, certainly there's players like Pulisic and uh, Tyler Adams that are really leading this team to victory. Paul Caligiri, our guest on Outkick 360. We're discussing, of course, his great career, but also the matchup coming up tomorrow between the United States and the Netherlands. Uh, what's the overall game plan tomorrow compared to what we've seen from this U.S. team in the previous matchups so far? And what does the Netherlands do so well that we are going to have to try to combat from the game plan perspective here? You know, it's a very interesting question because first and foremost, it seems like every half, the first half, we seem to dominate. And in the second half of the, the uh, opening games, we've kind of let, let up the gas pedal. And I think that is accredited to how we adjust in those games in the second half, particularly not seeing Sergio Dest or Robinson attack as much and push up into the midfield, into the attack. They drop back more and it kind of allows the other team to play a little bit. Um, I think, you know, this is the knockout stage. It's a whole different ball game. And I think that the you know, Team USA will see an outlook more like we saw against England 
I think the guys are going to be high flying. The one positive note here is Sergio Des. Obviously, he he comes from uh, Holland originally, so he's very familiar with it. Sergio Des, and also Coach Greg Berhalter. I mean, he's played many many years in the Netherlands. He's very familiar with their four three three system. I think the key play player for uh, the Netherlands is Dijon. We need to kind of take him out of the game. He's a very smart, quick little playmaker. And I think with Tyler Adams, it's going to be a great matchup. When you saw the injury to Christian Pulisic, what, what did you think? And I'm curious, have you ever been in a similar situation on the pitch with an injury like that? Because it's pretty clear to see exactly what happened the moment it happened with him. And the good news is he's set to play in this match tomorrow. Well, first off, I was, uh, you know, I screamed ouch watching the game. <laughs> yes, we all did. Uh, yeah. And uh, we're happy to see him bounce back and he's going to be eligible to play and he's healthy to play t- tomorrow. Um, but no, fortunately, I have not received an injury like that, but I've been around a lot of teammates that have. And it's, uh, it takes the lifeline out of you a little bit. But I'm happy to see how the Team USA reacted in that game with um, him leaving the pitch and uh, obviously more excited that the fact that he'll be on the, on the pitch tomorrow and striving for a victory against the Netherlands. I don't want to look too far ahead because there is the big match tomorrow, but in 2026, the United States will host the World Cup. How is this group, this roster, with a lot of that you've set up for the hosting of the World Cup in 2026? Yeah, it's a great blend. Um, and we also have many young players coming out of Major League Soccer or other places in the world where they they find their professional careers. So I think that, you know, hosting the World Cup in what, almost three and a half years away, it's not too far away, um, but it does play in our favor. And obviously, if we, when we get a victory tomorrow, it's going to play into more favor. And if we look one step further, I think all anticipation is another great match in the quarterfinals, provided uh, Argentina beats Australia, we'll face Argentina and it'll be a great matchup. Paul Caligiri, our guest, and behind him is the 1990 World Cup poster. It's the same poster that our producer, Colin Warner, owns uh, and it has at his home, Paul. Uh, you certainly uh, have different memories when you look at it. Uh, what do you think of when you see the team behind you? Those guys are my brothers, you know. I mean, you go through something like that, you remember these guys for lifelong. And, um, you know, I'm just uh, fortunate and blessed that I could stay in contact with these guys and, uh, you know, it brings back a great memory. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to hear that you're uh, <laughs> yeah. Producer. Oh, he, yeah, he's he, he was a lady when he saw it. He knew exactly the year. He's like, here's how I know, because I also have the same poster. <laughs> yes. Right on, John. Hey, uh, we, we always hear, um, you know, experiences for athletes representing our country at the Olympics. What is it like to represent the country at a World Cup? You know, it's almost unbelievable, but certainly when you have that mindset and in your heart and your soul, everything that goes into it, knowing that you're representing your country, you feel like you're carrying the country with you and they're pushing you forward. And I know that what Team USA is thinking right now in Doha, they know that the United States is behind them. They know there's millions and millions of fans that are pushing for them. And that helps, you know, that's beyond the the 12th player on the pitch. And it's undescribable. It's a great feeling. And, you know, I'm getting chills talking about it, but I'm also getting chills for the team tomorrow as well. You think the flu issue plays a big factor for the Netherlands roster? You know, everything plays a factor when it comes to the World Cup. But obviously, you know, when it comes down to 
the game, the, you know, the opening whistle to the final whistle, what matters is what happens on that field, that game day. And, you know, you really don't need to motivate any player, not even if he's on the roster or a player that's contributed in any which way, these guys are going to be all on all cylinders and, you know, there's great plays in the game and there's also big mistakes. So we'd look for those. And, you know, in today's matches, you didn't see any critical mistakes, but certainly we we've seen that throughout the world cup. And, you know, I believe in these guys, I believe in their, their experience. We mentioned they're young, but this is an experienced group in terms of their international play and their professional careers. So I'm excited to see how we come out tomorrow and take on the Netherlands. I don't know, Paul, if you've seen the video of the uh, English watch party in London when the draw was final against the Americans, but pints were being thrown from the rafters and people were pissed and they were throwing things left and right. And I immediately thought, man, this is how Americans are viewed in soccer uh, internationally, right? I mean, that's also, it's a very good English side. I get all that, but you tie and oh, we tied the Americans. Let's throw beers now and, and get angry. Uh, did you feel that disrespect? internationally when, when you were coming up when you were competing for 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 the u.s men's national team at all you know i i have and it primarily happens in our region in the Concacaf region when you're playing away games and uh you know i it it goes beyond life i think this is the soul of of life in this world you know this round brawl is the only thing that brings us together and the world cup is just an extraordinary event but uh, certainly uh, no one wants to lose to the Americans. Uh, we're a superpower in every facet, and this is the one element we're trying to buy to become a superpower in as well and win a World Cup. Chad, you're bought in. We're winning, uh, we're winning tomorrow. We're the I'm superpower in. tomorrow. I'm, I'm all over in. The, I'm, also, I'm also all in of being anti-Dutch uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> until this match is over at some point tomorrow morning. So I, I, I'm all in with this team, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping for a matchup in the quarterfinals against Argentina. Wouldn't it be some story, Paul, if it was Netherlands and Argentina and the Americans could win both to get to the semifinal against those two powers? I would say that, you know, these opponents we're talking about, they fear us more than we fear them uh, because of the fact that they no one, their own fans, like you mentioned, yep. are don't want to lose to America. They can't believe they could lose to the United States. And uh, Americans know that, and we take that to our advantage to the pitch. And certainly, you know, the pressure's on the Netherlands, not us. And, uh, you know, I, I remember back in 1995 when I was in Uruguay, it was my 100th cap for the U.S. national team, and we were playing in Copa America. And in our group play, we played Argentina back when they had Batatusta and Ortega, and we'd never beaten Argentina. In that game, we beat Argentina 3-0. And, you know, we were – in Uruguay, but on the border to Argentina. So all the fans were Argentine. And uh, literally the next day, it seemed like we won the entire Uruguayan country over. They loved us and gave us a, <laughs> That's a awesome. parade outside. Yeah, it was amazing. So, you know, I think these countries, they know that we could take them on. They, they fear us. Uh, you know, they do believe that if they do lose to us, it's a, a disaster in their country. It's a, it's a, an amazing, amazing culture, this sport. And, uh, Certainly, we have the momentum, and I, I believe in that we're going to get a win tomorrow. Same here. Let's go. Let's uh, team USA and, and Chad. Let's ruin some weekends in the Netherlands. Yeah, it's going to be a bad. Wow. It's going to be a bad time in Amsterdam. That's, uh, that's what I know. <laughs> that's it. There's rarely a bad time in Amsterdam. It's about to be a bad time in Amsterdam.
Paul, thank you, man. We appreciate the insight. Great to catch up with you, and hopefully we can do this down the road. Yeah, for sure. I wish you guys all the best, and keep doing what you're doing. Great job. Yeah, Thanks, man. Paul. Thank you. There's Paul Caligiri. Uh, the the experience with the World Cup. I like that be word awesome. of support at the end from him too. That was oh, yeah. that was nice. Yeah. You, don't, you don't get well, that and, often. I mean, and I like the fact that he's we don't hear that we're doing a good job often. I like hearing that from Paul. Yeah, thank, thank you, Paul. Paul. Appreciate he's, that. He's also brightened my whole weekend. Uh, the stress level is amplified on the opposite yes. side. Yes, because you, I mean. In some cases, you're going to have more than beers thrown. Yeah, it's a, it's a depending no, on who you lose to. It's one of those no no uh, win situations in that if you win, it's relief. It's not yeah. joy. It's, it's oh, like, oh, we made it through. Thank and we don't, God, we, we didn't blow it. We against saved the, the embarrassment. Yes. yes, yeah. So we got past the possible embarrassment of losing to the U.S. and and we get to play on. I I, I think there's a lot of truth in what he's saying with that. And rarely do you think of it because. As Americans, we're always asking the question, why can't we be great at this? Right. The way we're great in almost everything else, and you're trying to get to that point, but then the rest of the world looks at it like, you can't lose to them if you're a power, right? Especially in a World Cup. So I, I see the pressure being on the Netherlands. I wonder, you know, a win or two now, uh, with the young roster that we have, what that means moving forward for what you're discussing, which is become more of the expectation than the exception to the rule if you were to win and get to the round of 16, right? And I've always thought about, you know, what would a World Cup final featuring the United States look like from a ratings perspective in America? Yeah, yeah. Something we've never seen. Or just globally. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just, uh, for this country's purposes, you know, how, how uniting that would be, right? You think of those, you know, uniting moments where we're divided, but everybody comes together, uh, the Miracle on Ice is the one that immediately comes to mind on that as just a, a, a huge event for the United States. That would be a pretty big one yes. if, uh, if Team USA could make that happen. Coming up, we will uh, go back to the gridiron, and the transfer portal is opening up across college football Wide officially open. on Monday. We've got some names that are already entering the portal for you from a quarterback perspective. We'll let you know about that. We've got two NFL teams that face must-win situations in Week 13 coming up on Sunday. We'll tell you why. And we'll start with college football and tonight's Pac-12 championship matchup, USC and Utah, and how Utah comes into the game winning four of the last five against USC. But USC, after winning four games a year ago, can be right back in the mix on the national stage. They're finishing the season where Tennessee was to begin the season back in the national spotlight and with a Heisman Trophy capable and quite honestly odds-on favorite, favorite now yeah. with Caleb Williams. We'll discuss that in the impact of tonight's game against Utah next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on. It's USC and Utah playing for the Pac-12 championship. 
And I think the casual college football fan is watching, you know, you're sitting right, you're keeping up with the championship games tonight, tomorrow. And for the most part, unless your team's playing, you're rooting for chaos, right? Yes. I'm not. I'm not this weekend because with chaos, we get more of the same in the college football playoff in January. Yes. Uh, Bingo. So if you want Ohio State and Alabama in the college football playoff, then you're rooting for chaos this weekend. If you don't want that and you like the refreshing feel and vibe to actually having different matchups now that we can preview um, and seeing where Michigan has improved and seeing where TCU stacks up as the third best team in the country to a very solid and formidable opponent in Michigan in the trenches. The winner would get the winner of, in, hypothetically, Georgia and USC. I'm far more fascinated with that than I am seeing a potential Georgia-Ohio State matchup and then you know Michigan-Bama and the two winners. I mean, either way, you're getting a rematch of something, and I don't want that. Yeah, from, who, from last year's semi to last year's championship to last week's game. I mean, who roots for Alabama and Ohio State if you're not an Alabama or Ohio State fan? <laughs> and I say that in respect to those programs. It, they're so successful. You know, we root for the underdog. We root for something new, not for the team that wins well, all the time. So I wasn't rooting for Cincinnati to get in last year, though. But I the, didn't want to watch that game. I but, mean, I, 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 I'm more. I'm more. I, I mean, right now it's not. I mean, Georgia's the odds-on massive favorite to win this playoff. Yeah. Right? But so, if you want competitive games, but the the one team that Georgia doesn't want in it is Bama. I don't care about competitive games in this instance as much as I care about Ohio State and Alabama having no chance to backdoor their way into another college football playoff. Backdooring in, in this case, would be fair to call it that. I would say it's going to be a far more competitive playoff for four teams with Ohio State and Bama. Did in. you not just say you didn't want this to happen, though? Because uh, now you're making the yeah, argument that you no, do. No, I'm not making the argument. I just I got through saying, like, I'm, I'm interested to see the three teams. That One of these games is going to be bad. Um, but I, I would, I would be, I'm really intrigued to see TCU-Michigan. The winner of that game is not beating Georgia. Yeah. Um, the winner of... Ohio State-Bama can beat Georgia. Well, if you want, look, if you want Georgia to be tested, you want Ohio State as the four. Uh, the, yeah, it, it's, I, about, it's about what you want. It's, I, I don't want I don't Ohio want State and Alabama. I don't want a 35-17 final in the semi is what I don't want every year. And I, I, I'm more content with it this year because we're actually getting the 12-team playoff a year and a half from now. I just don't want Ohio State or Bama in it, period. I, I would rather them be out. I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I want... USC and I want TCU to go ahead and handle business and the Pac-12 champion. I, I just think from a totality of college football standpoint, if you're going to look at what is best for the whole sport, I think it's both of those teams winning because then you're going to create a situation where it is the SEC champ at number one, who's the defending national champion, the second biggest conference in America and the second most profitable, the Big Ten champ, in Michigan, a storied brand at number two. You've got a Southwest team in football crazy Texas and an undefeated Big 12 champion at three. And you've got another storied program out West, Los Angeles, 
Sunshine and Palm Trees, USC Trojans at four. I'm not looking at matchups and what the competitive nature of those games will be because, quite frankly, I think Georgia's going to roll probably to another national championship. But just of a Final Four, it does not get much better than that um, because you've got some new blood in TCU. You've got some returning old blood that's now new blood in USC. Michigan's now stepping up to the plate to where they're you know a contender year in and year out again. Georgia has basically taken the place of Alabama for right now in terms of the SEC power and dynasty. Um, I like that field is what I'm saying. But now if you just, hey, you have to pick who's the what's the most competitive matchup for Georgia, I would say it'd be USC losing in Ohio State. Probably coming in the number four. Or, uh, sorry. I think it's Bama. It gives them the, the most competitive oh, yeah, game. But that's not possible because Ohio State's ahead of them and both aren't playing. I'm right. saying of the possibilities that could happen, yeah. it's Ohio State for Georgia 1. And, you know, you've also got, I mean, the question is, do you want to have a competitive bracket or are you just okay with the, the teams that aren't there playing, not playing this year? Like, the, the, the TCU getting in is going to be awesome. And they're very deserving. But, I mean, it's a football-crazy state that's not going to travel for TCU to Glendale or to Atlanta. I mean, it's going to be heavy Trojans and Bulldogs, right, in both of those areas. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. And, and, and again, I, I'm looking at it from just – I'm going to watch this on TV like most of America. I'm not, I'm not thinking about tickets sold or, you know, the makeup of the stadium or, or any of that. Well, we talk uh, about be, ratings, just, and whenever we get these semifinal ratings, we crush some of these matchups we've seen because they're not competitive. Yeah, well, you were talking about what the makeup of the stadium is going to be. So I'm, right. I'm saying ratings. which is, But I'm saying the makeup of the stadium is going to be similar to what it's always been, regardless of the new teams getting in. It's yeah, still going to be heavy. Yeah, again, look, I, I, I think I laid it out the way I wanted to. I mean, it's a great cross-section, and you've now, got four conference champions – I think that is a just playoff field. I, I don't uh, look, look. I think there's a chance someone's going to get their ass kicked in the playoff, like they always do, and that always seems to happen. I just think it's a really, really bad thing when Alabama and Ohio State are in every playoff, and it's good to not see them there one year. But I, I don't I, think but that's I'm not, good. For I'm the not going to speak out of both sides of my mouth all year, though, Chad, and say that a one-loss non-conference champion Tennessee Volunteers with Hendon Hooker wouldn't deserve to get in oh, they, over they a conference would. champ. They would. I, we're talking about what's possible. just because it's just. We're talking about what is possible now, not what's possible two weeks ago. And the that four still teams be, that are there right now is a good playoff field. But it, it could still be possible, though, if TCU loses and doesn't get in. Yes. Right? But we're discussing the possibilities. I'm telling you the one I want the most. This is the most just right now. That's why I'm rooting, just like you, for TCU and USC to win. Because I like this playoff field where it is right now. Yeah, and I, I do want to see where TCU measures up, um, quite frankly. Because I, I, I've been trying to ask myself if they are Cincinnati. And I think they're better. Um, I also, they're also winning in different ways than what we saw Cincinnati win a year ago. Right? Cincinnati was dominant in their conference and their matchups. And TCU has been outperformed. They've been outplayed in like three games this year where you look up and go, how do they win this game? And there's just something to that that I want to see if translates to 
a matchup against a potential Michigan Wolverines team. Yeah, look, I, I think that the odds are that at least one of the semifinals will probably be not competitive and one will be decent. But I do think that if it is USC, Georgia, and then Michigan TCU, there's also a chance that both games are hey good. Hey, man, and I don't know about... I what, think both games could be good. I don't, the, I, don't, I don't think they will just because we've been so conditioned to see at least one of the playoff games being bad. Right. Had I not seen Tennessee's performance against Georgia's defense, I'd be thinking differently right now about the Trojans matchup, you know? Yeah. But that, that does have me a bit – I'm in a malaise there trying to talk myself into USC, against, their, their offense against the Georgia defense now. Yeah, I've already moved past that. I'm on to can Michigan play with Georgia is no, what I'm thinking in my no. head. We saw that last year. Yeah. After they dominated Ohio State. So I, that's, that's, that's the other unfortunate part. What an undersold storyline so far. With the they're about to run it back. Yeah, that's the true expectation. And now, hey, th- this team, this team still has a chance to be undefeated national right. champion, unlike yeah. last year losing right. in the SEC championship. Yeah, which I it also factors in because at this time last year we were discussing Georgia, their dominant defense. You know, what would it take for Bama to get in? And uh, we were discussing, oh, this is great because Bama is going to lose to Georgia. They're not going to win the championship. They're not going to be in the playoff. They end up winning the game. And then you both get in, and then Georgia wins it anyway. And they um, both rolled in their semifinal ma- matchup. Oh, yes. Because it was Alabama over Cincinnati and then Georgia over Michigan. I, look, I, I, uh, it's always fun to see a little bit of chaos and, and see an upset and then start to speculate what's going to happen. I, I just think going into this weekend, um, I, I, I'm totally fine with USC and TCU winning winning their conference, and those four teams being the, the teams, that's going to eliminate the controversy, right? Because I- I- any loss by those teams, you're going to have some form of controversy with the four. Because now one lost TCU that didn't win the conference. Right. Well, let's compare them to Ohio State. Let's, should we drop them completely out of the top four? You know, wh- th- that's where it's going to get a little hairy, I think. Transfer portal officially opens on Monday and it closes 45 days later, which is on January 18th. And we mentioned this because there are, I mean, the, the madness is already out there. Um, it officially opens, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's nothing going on right now because Haynes King, his name's already dropped into the, the portal today. That's not a surprise. Yep. Drew Pine, quarterback Drew, at yes. Notre Dame. Yep. And uh, we know McNamara. He's transferring to Iowa. He can do that immediately. So you've got uh, plenty of uh, quarterbacks on the move, and that's why I brought it up with Trey, because last year in the SEC, we saw a lot of movement. And the the quarterback transfers transformed programs that we thought were bad into good teams. Look at LSU. Look at Tennessee. um, Look at South Carolina and the way they finished the season. Um, Plenty of options. What can Kentucky do now with Will Levis leaving – can they go find the next guy that's going to elevate them back to the shelf that they thought they were on to begin this year? You know, because that's Will Levis did allow them to get to that level of expectation. They didn't deliver on it. How do they get back to it? Well, it's through the portal. Um, I also think that the portal itself, though, is hurting the NFL stock in the game overall because you're seeing a lot of movement, and I don't think you're seeing a lot of development. You're seeing better fits for a year, but I don't think you're seeing... What we're seeing from Williams uh, with USC is different because he followed his coach. And I think the development with the player and coach is going to trend even if you're jumping around program to program. Um, 
But if you're Haynes King, are you really improving? If you're Spencer Rattler, uh, how difficult is it to bend, to, to transform his game from freshman year to now? Um, and maybe we're just starting to see that. I think that affects all their, their pro stock and the overall feel of, what do we really think of Will Levis? He starts at Penn State. He doesn't start there. He goes to Kentucky, wins, but he's not that dominant. He's going to the NFL draft now, yeah. He's I, been coached twice by offensive play callers or quarterback coaches from the league. Yeah, and, and it's, it's uh, look, I, I think what we're still seeing with the transfer portal is it's still mainly about the ability to play um, because these are guys who have been passed over at their spots. Spencer Rattler is a good example, right? Caleb Williams eventually leaves also. Caleb Williams is different because he was going to be the starter at Oklahoma. He followed his coach and the system yeah. to the West Coast to, to USC. But most of these guys, Cade McNamara, uh, go down the list. It's quarterbacks that just they lost their job. They want to go play. Hendon Hooker, he was a starter at Virginia Tech. He got hurt. He lost his job. He transferred to Tennessee. The, the rest is history. So it's still mostly about playing time and not necessarily about, oh, I'm going to go make more money in NIL. But I do think NIL is a big factor when these guys are deciding, ultimately. It it's could a, be a tiebreaker because yes. if you're a top quarterback and you're going somewhere else to start – most of the quarterbacks will be smart enough to pick the right fit and the right opportunity to play. Cade McNamara is a good example. But if you've got two or three that you're really down to deciding between, then what you're going to get paid in NIL will come yeah, into play. But by the time you're transferring, you're, you're transferring just for one year anyway, for the most part. Sometimes, for yeah. For the most part. You're looking for the splash so you can jump into the league early. Yeah. Or, or, or get back to the league discussion, which some of these guys have really dropped off from. Um. And if you get the right investment on NIL, you're secure because you know they're not going to overpay for the next guy because they just overpaid for you. Yeah. Ole you Miss know? is another good example, by the way. Yes. They go from Matt Corral to Jackson Dart from USC, and, and they're, they're just fine. You know, they kind of roll right along to a, a what, 8-4 and four season this year. Chad, uh, two teams right now in the, the NFL this week that I think face must-win scenarios based on who they're playing and where they are in the pecking order right now. And they're... One's a division leader, and the other one's on the outside looking into the wild card. We'll start with that one, the Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers against the Raiders. A bad Raiders team, a Raiders team that's won back-to-back games now in overtime, and that's still playing very well offensively. They're getting a run game going with Josh Jacobs. Uh, Devontae Adams and Carr still care uh, about, yeah. you know, they, I mean, they're playing at a high level and, and spending it, putting up big numbers. Um, but the Chargers are the ones with the expectations. Now in year three with their quarterback, with their young head coach, it's time to get back to a level of postseason expectation instead of the back and forth fringe team. And this is a game in their division. They opened the season with the Raiders. They won that game at home. Now they've got to go to Vegas and win. And if not, they're just a 500 team that can point to some injuries, but can also point to the fact that they just didn't deliver on the hype that came into the year when everything's supposed to come together. Yeah, that they become kind of an also-ran in the, in the NFL once yeah. again, uh, which would be unfortunate and would, I'm sure, put Coach Staley in jeopardy. Potentially. In, in L.A. Well, there's already reports out about uh, Sean Payton you know, saying that he's very interested in a possible opening in Arizona or in L.A. because they have established quarterbacks. 
that he wants to go somewhere with an established quarterback when he gets back into coaching. So could be one to watch that game this weekend, certainly one to watch to see what's going to happen there because that could that could end up deciding could. someone's fate. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Denver Broncos. And say what you want about that Broncos offense, which is putrid. This is a Broncos defense that doesn't allow many points. Uh, like two and a half touchdowns a game, I believe. 14, 15 points, uh, maybe. Right now, they, they are very good. And it's a Baltimore Ravens offense that has not been closing out games. They don't close out in the red zone. They're 50% on the season, touchdown to field goal ratio in the red zone. Uh, I expect a tight game. And it's a Baltimore defense that allows big plays to be made and teams to get back in despite Baltimore leading early. Um, you know, they've given up leads at home. This is being played in Baltimore. This is just a, this is a game that you completely overlook, that you look up at the scoreboard on Sunday afternoon and you go, what is going on with a 17-13 game right now in the fourth quarter? Yeah. And with the way Cincinnati's playing and with the easy schedule that Baltimore has, they should be turning on you know, the nitrous to their season and unlocking the NFC North, or AFC North for their taking. And this is a game, you, this, you need to hit your layups. This is a layup for Baltimore. And they have allowed some other layups to go to the wayside this year where they could be running away with this division the same way Minnesota's doing it in the NFC North. Yeah, I, I want to like Baltimore. I, mean, I do too. I, I yeah. like the roster. I, I want to feel good they about just don't them. Close. Yeah, it's it, there's some luck involved, but when it it's happens this often, that that's a you problem. That's you. You said they can't clutch. I mean, they're they're not clutch, and that's their kicker is. But that's it. Like yeah, they, yeah. And but that that's that becomes a coach player problem eventually. You can't just chalk it up to man, we're unlucky. Or this team just gets bad breaks. So they, yep. you know, bad things happen late, late in games. And when it happens as often as it does with this team, eventually it's it's a Ravens problem, not a not a luck problem. I'm also like behind, like low key. I, I want to see Lamar Jackson do well, really well, because I want to see the contracts improve across the NFL for the fully guaranteed type money that. Owners are willing to divvy out. They won't say that. We just saw one do it with Deshaun Watson. And if you'll do it for him, you'll do it for the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, and the precedent's been set post-Watson with some other contracts, but none like the franchise guys that are about to come up. Burrow and Herbert in markets where the ownership is not going to be able to put money aside in escrow yeah. that's, that's required for big signing bonuses down the future of a contract. Cash poor. Yeah, you, you've got to be able to put that aside if you're going to give the fully guaranteed money that's paid out over a course of, of the contract term. And I'm not so sure that those organizations with the ownership can do it. I mean, they're billionaires, but still. I mean, it's tough to pull $700 million here in Nashville from the local ownership from the Titans to build the new stadium and put that aside. So... I'm it's, a, it's an interesting scenario, and if Lamar Jackson cashes in on it, well, then you've got Burrow and Herbert that can point to Lamar Jackson and don't have to point to Deshaun Watson and the Haslams. But it's going to take more than one owner doing it, and it's going to take more, more than just a okay season to double down and demand the guarantees. Yeah. So I'm fascinated to see how things play out with, with Jackson uh, just from that angle for the future of the league. 
for a for a, a, a players association that doesn't have much of a say on the overall structure of how they're paid compared to the rest of the pro athletes around the country. Yeah, I think the key now is w- watching players like that at the quarterback position, but it can't become a thing where it's just we feel pretty good about this guy, so we have to give him the guaranteed contract now because X team, X team, X team, and this other team did it also. And that's yeah. they're going to demand. It's got to be a special case. If, if, if Deshaun Watson's the first special case, then it's got to be a really special case of a quarterback to, to demand that and actually get it from a team. And there's not too many of those guys coming. No. I mean, what, you, you got Mahomes and Allen who've got theirs, but again, got theirs just before Watson. So who's the next real? It's got to be Jackson to cash in now, otherwise we're not going to see it with Burrow or Herbert, I don't think. Yeah. Unless Burrow goes on to win the Super Bowl this year, Chad. And then maybe we'll see what happens. Coming up, our thoughts on the weekend, final thoughts on all the conference championship games, our expectation for what we think the storyline will be when we return on Monday. That's next on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Take it around the room here at 6th and Peabody as we look ahead to Monday's show. Chad, what do you think the storyline, the topic is that we're discussing right out of the gate Monday, 3 o'clock Eastern on Outkick 360? Can I instead give you a a discussion point for right now because this just happened today? Sure. The MAC champion has been crowned. Buffalo beats Akron. Okay. 23 to 22, okay? This is a, a Matt game happening uh, today. And Buffalo gets to 6-6 six and six with that. Buffalo, there's 82 available bowl spots. There were 81 eligible teams. Buffalo just won their way into being the 82nd team to have the perfect match of bowl-eligible teams for bowls. There, there's what I'm going with. Man, what a... What a day. What a, it hey. saved us this agony of a five-win team. I, I knew all day I could see the look in your eye oh. thinking, I really want to know what happened in that Akron-Buffalo oh, Man, game. who's going to be able to play in the Birmingham Bowl down in Tulsa this year? Uh, not Shreveport, the Shreveport-Birmingham Bowl. The Camellia Bowl. Yes. Uh, the Bahamas or the Hawaii Bowl. Yep. Uh, which is what, December 16th is when we get cranked up with all that? I think we're going to have a bowl game in like three days. <laughs> There's so many. Probably. Now. Yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I, I think commercials next, coming on. next Tuesday is going to be the first bowl game. I think we're, we're discussing TCU and USC on the national stage Monday with what they do in handling their business in the conference championship matchups. And I'm saying that under the pretense that Michigan and Georgia are not losing. And I think we get the 14 playoff that we see right now in its current form. And we're analyzing how much better Michigan can be in another matchup moving forward, this time against a TCU team. Uh, Again, hypothetically, that everything's the same. And uh, Georgia, how dominant are they against LSU? And what does it mean for the odds on 
favorite in Vegas to win their second back-to-back title uh, with with Stetson Bennett. I think that's the storyline Monday from the college perspective. Davey, what do you got? Hutton, I'm going to go against you right there with talking about TCU because what I think is going to happen is I think Kansas State is going to beat TCU. Okay. If you, I'm going to take you back in time, all right? We're going to go to what is considered week, six, week 16 of 2014. The college football playoff committee told us, all right, TCU, Baylor, I'm sorry, you don't have a conference championship game, so we're going to leave you out of this one. I think we have the situation happen where TCU has been undefeated in the regular season. They finally lose this season in their conference championship game, and the college football playoff committee leaves them out, but not just that they leave them out. They leave them out for Ohio State. Ohio State jumps them, and if you look back to 2014, Ohio State was the four seed. That is going to be the number one. Wow topic we're talking about come Monday the uh Davey's going with the college football Illuminati once again coming through and making sure that Ohio State or Bama uh, has a spot in that college football playoff we will see it's uh it's it's certainly a possibility hey. it's a good point too about the uh you know you, you better have a conference championship game and sometimes it can come to bite you the streak ends by the way from the NFL perspective I think we come in Monday and the Kansas City Chiefs have their first loss in November and December since what 26 games ago they haven't lost in 26 straight games in November, December. I think Cincinnati gets them this week at home. They're playing that well, and they're getting Mixon, by the way, still in concussion protocol, but they're getting Jamar Chase back this week. That's official. He's playing. Cincinnati, if they do that, Hutton, team to beat in the AFC. That's possibly. The, that's the topic Monday? Burroughs boys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm claiming it right now. That's my talking point I, on Monday. Who knows? Maybe we're, Cincinnati's now the team to beat. Maybe we're talking about A.J. Brown's deleted tweets as well on Monday. That's because be. I'm fully expecting that too. Join us Monday, 3 o'clock Eastern, across the Outkick Network. Have a great weekend.